You're listening to episode number 23 of the Purpose Gathering podcast. In today's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, Maggie Frank Shue. She helps female identifying entrepreneurs write their way to better clients in the business they want. Clients hire her when they want to go from ignored to go-to expert in their industry. Maggie has spent her entire career using words to move audiences as an online marketer, and before that, as an editor and journalist. She received her master's from the Columbia School of Journalism, and she lives in San Diego with her husband and two sons, ages two and five. So I'm really excited to jump into our conversation and just kind of explain the bigger role that perfectionism plays and kind of why it's such a big deal as a mompreneur. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to find peace and passion in motherhood and business so that you can have more time for the things that matter, like Netflix and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. Hey, Maggie, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm so excited to hear from you. Can you please just start by introducing who you are and what you do and kind of what you're going to be talking about with us today? Hey, all right. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so I'm Maggie Frank Shu, and I'm a big idea coach. Um, Really where my background, um, I've always uh, been involved in writing and I've always really um, in my professional life, you know, been focused on seizing audiences' attention and moving them to action with words. So I've been involved. Um, I started out in journalism. Um, I have been an editor at magazines. I've edited books. I've also um, worked in marketing for the past, uh, for over a decade for different companies. And I started my own uh, business about uh, almost five years ago. The way so big idea coaching is sort of uh, it's not you know your typical profession, but the way that I came to this work is um, I really wanted to work with uh, women who have something big to say, um, something that they've developed you know through their years in business. I work with entrepreneurs, so through their years in business, through their the expertise that they've developed and their experience of the world around them. Um, and are ha- and these women are either having trouble or they're really just now realizing and they're ready to say something that differentiates them in the marketplace. So, you know, you could call that a thought leader, I guess. Someone, someone who's ready to lead and talk about, you know, take a stand um, and see who comes along and see who disagrees with them. So <laughs> that takes a lot of courage and... Um, as I developed my framework for how to help women do that, um, I found that perfectionism was a big blocker to getting more public with what you really think, what your big message is. So that's, you know, that's kind of um, 
once, you know, first you have to really articulate what are you about? You know, what do you know what you're about? And um, there's a process for doing that as well. But even after I'd seen, even after women did that, they still had some trouble getting out there. And a lot of it had to do with, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Which is, I love talking about, we can dive into. Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction. I love your mission and that you're helping women really see past that roadblock of perfectionism. So what do you think is like the bigger role that perfectionism plays when it comes to being afraid of maybe putting our ideas out there publicly? So, um, I mean, you can see it in, gosh, it's sort of, let me see where, how do I want to tackle this? Because you can see it right now. Um, like we are talking on June 10th and you can see it right now in the way that white women have reacted to um, kind of this conscience raising moment around Black Lives Matter and understanding how we, how we can show we value all people and black people in particular and, how, and talking about how we benefit from, you know, white privilege. So that's like a really scary topic, right? And even talking to my own, my current clients, you know, who felt like they wanted to say something because they want everyone to know, you know, I care about black people. I, I don't want to live in a culture where black people are oppressed. But most of those women, a lot of those women and myself, maybe I should talk about myself, were really afraid to say the wrong thing. And there was like this terror of saying the wrong thing as though, you know, a misstep and saying and not being right right away the first time you ever talk about this because unfortunately as white people, we've been allowed, you know, we've allowed ourselves to ignore it for years and years and years and maybe our whole lives. So it's the first time you're talking about something and you have to get it absolutely right. And that's perfectionism. It's definitely, uh, it, it really causes you to be silent. And that's why I talk about perfection erasing us or making us invisible, perfectionism that is. Because perfectionism is really about, I can't do this unless I do it perfectly. And that is antithetical to expressing yourself because that's the opposite of expressing yourself because expressing yourself is like learning how to walk for a, a baby, right? Like a baby, if a baby said to himself, I'm sure you've heard this analogy, but you know, your baby's crawling and, and pulling himself up to stand and a baby said to himself, well, the first step I take, I must be not wobbly and completely on my own to, you know, completely walk under the control of my own two feet and know exactly where I'm going and walk like an adult, then a baby would never walk, <laughs> right? And so it's really, really similar in this, in the, in the, in this, in what we're talking about, my wheelhouse, what we're talking, like being yourself, being real, being a person of conviction, right? And sharing your real values with the world and your big ideas with the world. They're not perfect, and perfect isn't even the goal. And so, so yeah, I mean, that, that's the problem, right? So the blocker is, so if you sit there and, and a lot of people hear the voice telling them to be perfect in different ways. It's like, in this case, the case I, talk, I talked about, like what's been going on since the beginning of June at the end of May with the death of George Floyd and, and our conscience, con, you know, people of conscience, white people of conscience being like, I don't, I don't want to support the system anymore. But I also don't want to say anything wrong. <laughs> and I just think that um, unfortunately or fortunately, maybe it's fortunate because people are learning from other people's mistakes. But if you are not allowing yourself to be new at this and you are new at it, then you're not going to be able to do it. 
and it's, it's about practicing. So yeah. So that's kind of my thought about not le- how perfectionism stops us. I don't know if you have like more detailed no, questions. So good. Like, I do agree that this situation has really lent itself to allow us to be able to use our voice. But I do hear what you're saying and that so many of us are feeling unsure of what to say. And so a lot of people, like you said, are not maybe saying anything because they don't want to get it wrong. And right. I love what you're saying in the sense of it, it's not about getting it right. It's about just putting yourself out there and trying. Right. Trying and also realizing that what even, you know, what you say or what you don't say isn't really as important as how you live your values, just like anything else. I'm not actually a religious person, but, you know, I do think like religious people who really, I mean, I don't know, maybe I don't don't know. I'm not a religious person, but people who think about things in terms, who think about their life in terms of, I want to live my values. I want to live the things that I care about the most. That's what's going to make a difference in this situation too. So what we're, what I'm talking about, what we're talking about is how I want to write about that. I want to make sure that everyone knows that my business is about this. You know, I want to demonstrate that, that this is what we're doing, but you have to write about what you're doing. And so like in the case of this, just to go on with this a little bit further is like one good way to kind of approach this where perfectionism, you can kind of lay it aside because you don't have to be the perfect white person who's, what is that even? (laughs) But, um, is what are, what is, what are you committed to in your business? So what are the commitments you can make? Can you make commitments to you know, feature um, more black people and people of color and, you know, other marginalized groups of people in your marketing? Can you make commitments to, um, to pay black people when you benefit from their exper- expertise and experience? Like what kind of, what can you, what are you actually willing to do right now? And that's a process of being honest with yourself. And it, and it really, I, I guess we're using this as an example because this it, this does map to other things in business, but just because I'm thinking about this today, you know, when you make those commitments, well, when you lay out privately, right, before you post anything on social media, what are you actually willing to do next? Then you can be public about that. And then it's not about, you know, hey, I, I'm perfect and, and I'm going to fix everything in my business today, even though I've never thought about this before. I don't think anyone... I think expecting that of yourself is dooms you to failure. Like nobody can do everything right um, the first day that they even make a commitment to do anything at all, right? Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that it's something that I'm trying to, something that I've been trying to get across to my audience is the fact that it is okay to collect your thoughts and it is okay to kind of take some time to understand how you feel about things before you speak. Definitely. And, and that's another thing is that, um, that I think I was just talking to a client about this this morning is my favorite analogy around this is um, if you ever followed Marie Kondo, I actually don't, I didn't read the book and I don't, I didn't watch the Netflix show, but I did happen to see her on um, a YouTube video once and she was teaching someone how to declutter their their bureau drawer, drawers, like where they have their clothes. And what you don't do, when you do a drawer, what you don't do is take things out one by one and make, and kind of like try to figure out, 
do I like this thing? Do I want to use this thing anymore? Should I get rid of it? Should I donate it? You don't do it that way. What you do is you take the drawer out of the bureau and you dump it all. You dump everything out and you, you make, you know, make a big flat pile, right? Everything is visible. You can see everything. And then you start to edit. And that is the way that you reconstruct that drawer so that it's neat and organized and it only has what you want. And the analogy there, it's the same with your thoughts about something big and thorny and complex is you don't want to do that in public. What you want to, the private part of this is you want to kind of, whether this, whether you journal, whether you do a voice note to yourself, whether you talk with, um, you know, if you're a partner, like a partner or a trusted friend, you want to get everything out in front of you so you can see everything that you believe, that you think about a topic. And then, like I said, the commitments part, what are you, what can you say right now about what you believe? And those are the things that go back in the drawer. And I guess that's where the analogy falls apart because you don't put the drawer back in the thing. You actually, that's what you make public. That's, that's the Instagram post or the tweet and maybe like the way in which you um, update how you talk about your services or, or how you sell. Um, so yeah, so it's okay to be, to take time out, but I think that the pro, I think like what's been missing or maybe, maybe somebody else is talking about this, but like, what's the process for that? Cause what, what we don't want to do is say, I'm taking time to process all this, but the time that you're taking is just really you being completely overwhelmed because you don't know where to start. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel you on that. So yes, I do want people to take the time out to sort through. And I love that analogy about the bureau drawers, like taking the drawer out, laying everything out and kind of assessing the situation because you don't want to speak too soon if you don't have your thoughts kind of organized yet. You don't want to say something that maybe you didn't mean or that you don't agree with 100%. So that's, it took me a few, you know, several days to figure out how do I want to say this? I knew where I stood, but I wanted to make sure that number one, I knew exactly where I stood. And number two, I also wasn't letting other people influence my decision, but it was my own with all the facts. And number three, wanted to make sure that what I was about to say, I was willing to follow through on. So I think that's important. That's important. Yes. For sure. So kind of circling back to the perfectionistic ideal that we sometimes get caught up in, what do you believe we are up against as women in our culture with perfectionism? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I first started thinking about perfectionism when I became a mother because I didn't really see myself as a perfectionist before then. But when I had my first, I had first of all there's just you're bombarded from the moment everyone finds out you're pregnant with how to do things you know that you you know what you can eat what you can the way in which you can sleep like not on your back you know it's just like all these things of like you know there's a oh, there's a way to be and there's a you know you should keep exercising you should also take care you know just it's nonsense it's just like not nonsense but it's overwhelming and and when i became a mom um, I found it really didn't end and it was really inside of me. You know, it was the way I reacted to, first of all, like the messages that come back at you are really charged. Like there is a sense in this culture that we can, that a mother is a vessel for 
life instead of being a valued human life herself, if that makes sense. So she's carrying something valuable, but she's not valuable. Um, and that really pissed me off. Um, that really made me mad when I kind of like was realizing that. And, and then, you know, so after I became a mom, I found that it was an internal voice and it was a way that I was reacting to a lot of the messaging from, you know, and you can start from day one, breastfeeding, right? Um, how are you recovering? You know, all these things of like, what's, you know, what they call bouncing back or whatever, you know, this, this idea that you should look the way you looked before, all these ideals around ideals. And they're there, but it's also about how we as individual women react to those messages. So, and I guess I mean like, it hurts, right? When you don't, when you don't hit the mark, when you, when you feel like there's this bar of perfection and you're below it. And, and I think, you know, that's the way we think, especially as white women, I think it's a, it's, there's something about white culture that imposes this perfectionist ideal, but, but, you know, or that's my experience anyway, but, but yeah, this, there's this bar and you don't reach it. And that's kind of the way that we've been primed to think because of, you know, whatever culture, education, whatever. And then the, the next thing is really about kind of step, like taking a step out of that box and let it, you know, sort of being like, and this is actually in my upcoming book, I talk about this as the tape that plays in your head, you know, you're not good enough. This is never good enough. Somebody else can do it better. Somebody else is already doing it better. All these kind of messages that we hear. It's not that we actively think them. It's sort of like they play in our head automatically over and over. And I forgot what your question was, Ashley. So what did you want to know? How to deal with that or why I think it's a problem? Yeah, I just kind of wanted to know like what you think we're up against. So like as Mm. women, the ideal, I think, you know, like you hit it right on the head about being a mom and feeling this sense of we have to be perfect because we're comparing ourselves to all these other people. But I think too, just as women, I think men deal with it as well, but I think women more so, we care more about what people think of us. We care more about our image, right? And so I Mm -hmm. think what I'm asking is just kind of like, what do you feel like are some of the biggest roadblocks that we face with perfectionism? And maybe what are some tips that you have of how we can overcome that and just realize that we have to try, right? We have to put ourselves out there and just try. Right. Okay. So I was on the right track. So I was talking about the tape that plays in your head. And so I do think that that's what you're up against. And it's also the way my, you know, my way, which is in my book, I made, that's why I do this. I made up a way, but the way I've done it personally and the way I've helped other, um, my clients through this is to start recognizing that that tape plays it plays all kinds of different messages, right? And those messages came, some of them came from outside. You know, I talk about patriarchy. I talk about white supremacy, right? So we learn the reason, like, I mean, not the only reason, but one of the reasons, like you kind of mentioned, you know, women deal so much more with what do people think of me is that we're taught like, well, we're not supposed to be here, right? Or we're not supposed to speak up. And men aren't taught that by and large. And so that's why it's like, well, what are people going to think if I say something? Because, and that's a message that plays. That's not necessarily, it's yes, you're thinking it, but it's not something you were born with, right? And then we can get all woo-woo about how we're born perfect and all that. But, but it's true, right? When we're born, we're, we come out and we're human. And then we, all these messages get layered in our brains. And so, 
so that's what we're up against, which is a big thing. But it's also, I do think like, you know, I tr- I'm going to try not to be too theoretical here, but the way around it is not to um, eradicate those messages from inside your mind because that's impossible. You can't make yourself not think something. Everyone knows that, right? Like you can't, like there's that thought experiment about like if I say elephant and then like you try to make yourself not think of what that is, right? You can't, you can't not think something, but you can have perspective and you can also recognize when a thought repeats. So something that's really noticeable about this thing that I call the tape, right? I'm not, oh, I shouldn't be talking. Oh, you know, this happens on Instagram a lot. Oh, this other person over there has like a hundred times the amount of followers I do. And she's actually prettier and better and saying my thing more clearly. Why don't I just let her be in charge, you know, be the, be the person who's known for this and I'll be quiet. Like that's, that's a tape. (laughs) It's really irritating. It really irritates me, but it's also, that's just, that's an automatic, it's, it's a thought that happens to you, not a thought it's not like a creative thought, like when you sit down to write or paint or whatever you, whatever you are into. And so rather than try to eradicate that thought or not think a thought, it's about recognizing and recognizing when you are in a situation where that thought arises. So it's almost like, you know, you're in the right spot when you have that thought, you know, that means you're trying to do something bigger. So if I am, um, like when I was trying, so I've been, I write a weekly letter that I send by email and I've been doing that for over a year and like that, I have no problem doing that. It takes me an hour and I just write like the sort of like the writing tips of the week and my thoughts about creativity or whatever, right? And it was growing and growing steadily and everybody likes it and, and it's easier for me now. And I don't have like limiting perfectionist thoughts around that or the, the volume on them is turned really down. But when I decided I was going to write a book, oh, the paralysis, like it had, I mean, the thoughts turned into these, like they were screaming in my head, like, who do you think you are? Everybody's going to find out you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a certified coach. Um, what would be your certification anyway? Like you should, you don't have blah, 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 blah. And like, instead of waiting until those thoughts went away, which wasn't going to happen, what I did was recognize, oh, those are the thoughts I have when I'm thinking about going to the next level. And so it's, I'm actually in the right place, right? So I guess that's my answer to your question is like, what can we do about it? It's like a little bit of ch- shifting the way you think about what you do about something. You, so you don't, you don't, um, you know, you don't have to sit and journal every day at 6 a.m. And, and then it's going to be better. What you have to do is like, let those thoughts run and know who you are and know it's more important to you to, to express this publicly. I love that. I love that you say, don't suppress those thoughts. Don't suppress those, that tape that plays because there is something to learn about what we are subconsciously telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what I've been learning too, is that you have to when those thoughts come into your head, you have to replace them with something else that's more positive, right? And my mantra lately, when something comes into my mind, that's telling me like, you're not good enough, or you can't do that. Or, you know, so and so, like you said, is better than I am at it. So I'll just let them do that. I replace that thought with, but I can do strong things. Like I can do hard things. I'm stronger than I think I am. And I can do it too. 
And so when those totally. thoughts come in and I combat it with that mantra of I can do hard things, I'm like, yes, I can. You know, like I've birthed two babies, like I've overcome adversity. Like, you know what I mean? All the things that I've done in the past that have been hard, I can remind myself that I overcame mm-hmm. that and I can get through this. Yes. And it depends on what works for you, like what works for each individual woman, like replace or like, you know, talking to that thought, you know, and and saying like, well, what about this time when I did this? I've done this already. That's definitely can help. You know what I mean? Like, so like when I was like freaking out because I was like, I can't write a book. Why do I, what, what am I thinking? And then you know, one thing I said to myself was, well, you know, it used to be really hard for you to write your weekly letter. And now like you write it every week and it's no problem. So you can say to yourself, you can prove to yourself, you know, the past. Um, and then another thing that's really helpful to have besides your own inner conversation is a support system of people around you who are not Pollyannas, but are people who can tell you the truth. and But yet, um, encourage you. So like I had a great coach who told, who was when my, one of my big thoughts, which I just said it in this interview is I should let that other person do that. She's already, she's already talking about this. Like she seems like she's doing a good job. Everyone's already listening to her anyway. And my coach was like, that's not how business works. (laughs) She was like, there's not just one, you know, tennis shoe company. There's not just one, um, whatever, pick it, right? There's not just one home improvement, co- like, you know, there's there's Lowe's and Home Depot. They're the exact same thing. Like, honestly, they both can exist, right? So like, you don't, so having, I would have never thought of that myself, having someone else who's supportive, um, whether you pay, maybe some people you pay, some people are your friends, you know, in business, but like, that can actually see the forest for the trees. Like they're clear eyed, they're not just telling you what you want to hear, but they're also telling you things that are encouraging. I find that really helpful. That is so true. Thanks for bringing that up because community is so important and having that like trusted members of your committee is what I've heard it called before Mm -hmm. too. Like you want to make sure that the people that you're going to for advice are people that you trust and that you really do care what they think. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to the Rachel Hollis conference back in November and they said something like, don't let people who are in the cheap seats, like tear you down. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're going to take advice from someone, don't take advice from people who don't know you personally and who have, you know, opinions because maybe they're jealous or whatever, like take those opinions from people who you actually trust and that, you really admire. And um, so I think that's helpful too, to keep Mm -hmm. in mind. Yeah. Hey mama, I want to interrupt this episode really quick and just ask you a couple of questions. Are you struggling right now to find peace in your home? Feeling like you're out of ideas of how to entertain your kids and you're just tired of playing referee? If so, you're not alone. I've been there too, and some days I'm still there, but I am extremely passionate about changing the paradigm of parenting. I am a huge advocate for fostering tight-knit family dynamics surrounded with teamwork, empathy, and laughter. I want you to have this freedom too, knowing that your parenting efforts are working and worth it. 
I'm so excited to introduce to you the Parenting with Purpose mini workshop. Included in this workshop, you will be receiving a positive parenting training all about how to become an expert on your children, consequences versus punishment, the four basic emotional needs, and the importance of connection. I want you to know how to establish boundaries and foster independence in your children. The second training is going to be all about creating a peaceful home and how to handle sibling rivalry. So you're going to learn how to prevent sibling rivalry, how to foster sibling bonding and create teamwork and peaceful environment in your home, and finally how to handle sibling conflict with confidence. I know that if you take the time to implement the strategies that I teach you in this workshop, you're going to see amazing change in a short amount of time. The best part is that this workshop is only $27 because I want you to get started right away. Head to thepurposegathering.com slash parenting to sign up and get instant access right away. So my last question for you that I really wanted to let our audience hear your opinion on is, so how do we kind of take a stand for something in our businesses that allow us to get past this perfectionism? Sure. Great question. It's a big one. So taking a stand, right? Okay. So let me just run you through the framework that's in my book because that's what I'm, that's really what I'm helping people do. So there's three steps. So number one is, so I'm assuming, first of all, when you come to this, right? Whoever this is, whoever's listening that's, you know, got a business, who's worked jobs, who maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, but like you've done things, you have expertise, you have experience, you have what you grew up with, you have your personality. So you have all this collection of stuff that makes you, you, right? And then, you know, you're doing your work and a lot of people can do what you do maybe, right? Like, so the actual nuts and bolts, like a lot of people can do what I do. A lot of people can help, you know, coach people to write, but you only, so what differentiates you, right? It's the collection of all those things and being able to articulate it clearly. So the collection of your experience, your expertise and your personality and your history, being able to bring all those things together and say, this is what I stand for. That's what makes you different. That's what even makes not just your marketing, but it makes your ser- the delivery of your services different because people know what, you're, what you value, what you put above everything else, right? So it's really important. So really like the, the way, right? It's a, it's a long and winding road, but if I'm going to try to summarize, you know, you do the Marie Kondo thing. You kind of lay out you, by writing and I would say journaling like or do or voice, the thing I said about voice recording, whatever you want to do, recording your own videos and just only watching them yourself, whatever. You figure out like, what's important to me? What, what do I care about? And often like a good framework for this, because that feels like so huge is starting with what do I get mad about when I see it happening in my business? And we're talking about business, right? Lots to get mad about in the world, but what do I get mad about in my business? Like when I see other people do this my competitors or other people that claim to do what I do. What do I get sad about? Like, what do I, what do I get sad about when I see like people decide not to work with me or someone like me and they, they can't get over certain barriers. And then what's a problem that I'm always solving for people? Like, 
you know, so, you know, so for me, it's like, it's, it's kind of the things I've talked about, right? So like what makes me mad is when people feel like they just need to stay as generic as possible in their, like when they write content because they need to be for everybody and they need to not offend anybody. What makes me sad is when I see women whom I've talked to face to face and they have, they are really about something and they really care about things. And none of that comes across in their online marketing, in their email, in their social media. And that, that's the problem I'm always solving, right? How do we take you, the 3D IRLU, and get that online, right? So I think it helps to make a list of what makes you mad, what makes you sad, and what problem you're always solving. Because hopefully this is like resonating. Because like every, like most women I know, they have this. They have this little itch. They have this little tick. Like when they hear a certain thing, it really annoys them. And why is that, right? We need to move, we need to take a step back and be like, instead of just always getting annoyed by seeing the same mistakes made over and over, either by clients or by other people in your space, what is that, right? Because it's something bigger. It's connected to something that's really important to you. So that's the big idea. That, that's kind of how you get to your big idea. So like mine is something like, you know, when women use our voices and speak up, we are dismantling patriarchy. Um, something like that, right? All women should be who ha- you know of conviction need to be using their voices. Something like that. So, <laughs> so that's number one. Number two is the whole thing with resistance and the tape, right? So as soon as like you think, because this is a this is very connected to being a woman in the society, is like as soon as you think you have something big and important to say, you have this. Most women have this voice that's like, shh. <laughs> Basically, it's like, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. That's too, that's too much. You're too much. You're, you're extra. Um, you're going to get in trouble if you say something like that. And so it's dealing with that voice, which we talked about already. Um, and then, and still all this is going on privately. The writing, if you're doing writing on this, you're not really sharing this publicly yet. Because the third step is then how do I go public? Because it's not, so it's all self-development work which is good or personal development work, right? If you figure out what you're really about, what your business is about and your mission and your vision and your values. But the only way it helps other people is if you make yourself, if you make it public. So you can't help other women or other people, depending on who you're for or other whoever's, (laughs) other humans, um, unless you make your stand public, unless you make your big idea public. So so that's really it. <laughs> I mean, I have lots more details in my book, but, but uh, if I was, you know, if I'm just trying to summarize, it's like getting out onto paper, like what you're really about, allowing, giving yourself permission to be about something big, to be somebody who has really good big ideas, um, to take up that kind of space intellectually um, in the business world. And then the third step is to get public about it. Thank you for sharing that, Maggie. That is a beautiful framework that I think we can all take and put into action. And I think one thing I want to touch on that I heard you say in a roundabout way, but it's okay for us to speak out and repel clients that we don't want. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we talk so much about attracting the ideal client and who do you really want to work with? But the flip side of that is it's okay for us to have people who unfollow us because they don't agree with us. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to have people unfollow us because they don't like what we stand for. Like that is what's really unique about how we're all so different 
is that we don't have to be everything for everyone. We just have to be uniquely who we are and be unapologetic about it. And so I yeah, love and what you, know, you said. Yeah, thank you. It's not just that it's okay. It's actually... Um, I mean, if I may be so bold, and I just talked for an hour about how you should be bold, um, it's actually a bit soul-crushing if you don't do it. <laughs> for, for people who have a big idea, who really care about something um, in their business, if you don't repel people that don't mesh with that or, don't, or flat out don't agree with that big idea, so if you're actually working with them, if you're taking their money, first of all, that's not a good fit, so they're not going to get they're not necessarily going to get what they need as much as someone who, who does really gel with you. And, and also like it's hard on you as a business owner to take all kinds of people and sort of just turn a blind eye. And we've seen this again with what's just happened, turn a blind eye to, Hmm, they really don't, they really don't mesh with, you know, the core thing that this business is about, they think is dumb or they don't care about, or they don't agree with. How, that's not a good fit. It, it's not good for them. And it's really, if you do that over and over and you're the one delivering the services. So if I'm talking to people who really they're just, they're solopreneurs or consultants, but even if you're not delivering the services, but you're bringing in the business, like it's hard on you to bring in business that is not quote unquote in alignment. So yeah, it's not just okay. I think like it's essential to the health of a business and we see businesses that grow um, and you know, look at like, I don't know, businesses that you know right away what they're about. A lot of people use the example of Patagonia, right? Because they're really about environmental awareness and, and taking climate change seriously and taking action. People shouldn't buy from them if they're the kind of recreational people who just like, you know, don't care about the environment, right? So it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it actually helps you stand out in the marketplace. It is your differentiator. It's the reason people will choose you and not somebody else. And you need that, right? You need a competitive advantage. So it's a competitive advantage. It helps your business grow. So it's, yeah, I just wanted to, I don't know if I'm like ranting now, but it's not just that it's okay to repel people. It's actually a business growth strategy and it protects your soul from getting crushed. So it's a lot, there's a lot of good reasons to repel people. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I really think that our listeners are going to get so much value out of today's conversation. And Maggie, I just want to say another really big thank you for taking the time to come on here and educate us and help us see kind of how we can move past that perfectionism. So thank you again. And I would love for you to share with our listeners, where can people find you? How can they work with you? And tell them a little bit about your book and where they can find that. Yes. So that's a great first step. And um, I'm at Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E-F-R-A-N-K-H-S-U.com, MaggieFrankShoe.com. That's a great place. There should be a pop-up that comes up there that allows you to get the first chapter of my book for free and um, gets you on to the weekly newsletter where, you, where you'll get sort of more ongoing tips and writing help. Um, but yeah, the book is a great place to start and that'll be available in my shop in about, let's see, excuse me, about three weeks. So today is June 10th. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but it'll be available in July. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, such thank a great you so conversation. Much. Yeah, thank you. 
Oh my gosh, wasn't that so amazing? I loved our conversation and just being able to really dig deep into kind of what we're up against as mompreneurs and females in general. And the fact that life is really difficult and being trying to be perfect is something that we all struggle with. And we can't really be a perfectionist if we don't put something out there to perfect. So I hope that you found this conversation helpful and inspirational, and I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it out on Instagram. And I just want you to know, as always, Mama, I'm here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com mamas. That's M-A-M-A-S to join our private Facebook group. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Be sure to follow and tag me at The Purpose Gathering. If you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please head to iTunes, even if you're an Android user, and let other mompreneurs know why you love the show. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find this show. I choose one review every episode to share, and yours could be the next one. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.